My name is Jason Tucker, and I'm glad to be here today. Hey, first off, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, let me just say before I, I get started, obviously, um, for those that don't know me, I'm, I'm a pastor in Michigan, and that did, I was waiting. I was waiting for one boo. I was waiting for one, one boo. It, it, was, it was actually better than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be way worse. But no, the truth is, I, I just want to always point out at the beginning, I, I am a graduate of the Ohio State University, so, so I live in Michigan, and I, I am a graduate of Ohio State University. What can I say? God sent me to Nineveh, everybody. That's what you do. That's what you do. No. Uh, no, in, in all seriousness, all joking aside, I've known your pastor for some time, and I just want you to know, I think you've got an amazing pastor. Amen? Uh, I've had the opportunity, uh, the blessing in my life to work with Stephen now for, for some time, and it's just been extraordinary to see what God has, has done in uh, just his leadership and, and obviously his influence, and I, I learn a lot every time I'm around him. I, he, it's just it's encouraging to see what God is doing in his life, and so I consider uh, just even being here an honor. I hope you know that today. So... Uh, today, I had it on my heart. I, I was talking to Stephen earlier this week. I said, what, what should we talk about? He said, hey, swing away. It's, what's, what's on your heart? And so just in, in some time that I've, I've been praying recently, uh, one of the things that, that the Lord has, has really been putting on my heart that I feel like is important to share with as many people as I, I can share it with uh, is, the, is this message that we're going to dive into today. And if I was going to give this message a title, it would be this. It's, I would call it The Fight to flourish, the fight to flourish. You know, I think there are many people in the world today uh, that are experiencing this fight. And, and, what, and what I mean by that is, I think the way life is today compared to like how it was a year and a half ago or two years ago, it's just different, right? And a lot of, there are a lot of buzzwords and things that have come out that, that make people think a certain way or for goodness gracious, you turn on the news God help us all. And, and, and there's a lot of things out there that are, that are going on, a lot of uncertainty in the world. And I think a lot of people are just trying to figure it out. The conversations that I've had with people recently, uh, when, when you just think about spiritually, how are you doing? Emotionally, how are you doing? Mentally, how are you doing? Physically, how are you doing? Financially, how are you doing? If you were, if you were to think about that, as, as we kind of use that as a context to jump into this this message today, most of the people that I talk to these days, uh, the answer is, how you doing? And that, well, I mean, I'm doing. You know, I mean, it's, it's, we're doing what we can do, right? I mean, life is what it is, and work is what it is, and the world is what it is, and the news is what it is, and there's all these things out there. It's just, it is what it is. And a lot of people are saying, well, what would it look like for things to get back to normal? And I guess to me, the thing that the Lord's really been encouraging me with lately is just that it's important for me to understand, and I think for you to understand today, that there's something better than normal. Amen? That, that God wants something better for us than to return back to something that maybe we thought was normal before. God wants something for us that's bigger than that. And I think right now, there's a lot of people in the world that are struggling to see that, and rightfully so, because obviously in the last year and a half, the world just done gone crazy, somebody. 
I don't know what happened. I don't think anybody does, but I think a lot of people wake up every day and you're going through the motions. You set your alarm. You show up in the spaces you're supposed to show up. And we don't even really know how to put a finger on what it is that we're actually seeking or what it is that would make us feel different in the season of life that we are all in. But I can tell you what I think troubles us deeply is that we're not flourishing. I think many people right now are are just in a season where they're trying to figure out what would it it be like to actually have peace again? What would it be like to actually have joy? What would it be like to have hope? Like, I mean, it's been so long. (laughs) What would it be like to, to think like there's unity building? That like, Obviously, the world is it, it, like things are getting better. And, and, and with the news and all these things, it, it, I think for people in general, this is just this is the struggle. Because, again, we all find ourselves alive at this time in history. Every day is a gift. We wake up. But yet sometimes I'm not sure we're feeling like what we're experiencing in the world is a gift sometimes. And again, like I said, it's, it's rightfully so. I, I saw this picture the other day. And that's kind of where the idea of this message came from is uh, it's all these superstars that it's like the original young version of themselves, uh, and then superimposed with Photoshop beside it is the old version of who they are today. And again, when, when you were young, obviously, if you could see yourself later on, years down the road, you would see a picture of yourself that I believe everybody wants to be proud of that picture. Everybody wants to know that that what happens down the road, obviously, physically, we change, we age. Yes, those things happen. But the truth is, we would love to know that the later version of ourself is a better version than when we started. We'd love to know that our lives are growing and progressing. And, And again, even though age is happening to us, weather is happening to us, life is happening to us, years later, if you could put the the old me next to the new, the, the younger me. It would be something I would, I, w- I would see like a flourishing. I would see more wisdom. I would see more peace, more experience in life. I would see growth and development. I would understand the world differently. More importantly than all that, I, my, my relationship with Jesus would be progressing. It would be flourishing. When I think about all those people on that list, I, I was just thinking about this the other day, just so you, you know to check in on me. I mean, things are flourishing with me right now. I mean, this is, you know, obviously things are going really well uh, for me. This was me surfing the other day. <laughs> no, I did not superimpose my, my head on Iron Man's, or on, uh, on Thor's body. I did not do that, in case you're wondering. But, but what's interesting to me today and, and what I hope for us to get into is, is a discussion about this. Because, again, all of us would love to believe that there's progress happening. All of us would love to believe that we could flourish even when the weather in life isn't so good, even when things around us get kind of crazy. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he, he's talking to them about a, a season very similar to what I believe that we're in right now. And this is kind of where we we open the discussion up. Uh, He says this in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, but their minds were made dull. 
their thinking. It all started between their ears. Too much going on. Too much happening, too much to figure out, too much to contend with. And, and in that, it, it became overload and noise. And, and in all of that noise, nothing really stood out. It all just became a monotone message in their own heads. Their minds were made dull. For this day, to this day, the same veil remains. What Paul's saying is that when he wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, he observed something. Now, obviously, they had a different set of circumstances or weather going on in their world at this time, but I think it parallels what's happening in our world right now. And what he's saying is, because of the circumstances, because of the situation that they found themselves in, their minds became dull. And in that, when their minds became dull, they were living life with a veil over their face. That veil was, was, was making it difficult to see life through the right lens. He goes on to say, for when the old covenant is read, and what he's referring to there is the Old Testament. He's saying, when, when the Old Testament, when, when, I, when I crack open a Bible and, and I read about these people who were walking with God, trying to walk with God through some of the most tumultuous and troublesome times, in history. When I read about them, my mind is dull. It doesn't do much for me. And my eyes are veiled. I'm not really getting much out of this. I don't see much in this that's relevant to my life today. Paul says, and it has not been removed. In other words, now thousands of years later, I think we find ourselves in the exact same spot that he's talking about as he writes this letter to the church in Corinth. He's saying, it, 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 this, is, this is not a new thing. This is something that's been around for a while. When, when circumstances come, when life gets crazy around us, our minds get dulled, we start living very veiled lives. And when we dig into scripture, when we, when we open a Bible up, we're not really seeing anything or getting anything out of it. And he says, it has not been removed because, because only in Christ is it taken away? The only way that our minds are not dull and the veil is removed from us to where we can see the only way that happens is through Jesus. He says, and think, that's an audacious statement. He's saying it's not a self-help book. You cannot read a self-help book and have your mind unveiled. You cannot read a self-help book and have your mind undulled. It's not going to work that way. You can't listen to an inspirational speech. It's not about hearing a message at church on Sunday. Although that's good, those things are good. A lot of great things there. I don't think there's anything wrong with those things. He's saying, but the only way that the dullness of mind and the veil across our hearts is lifted and cleared, the only way the fog all starts to make some sense is through Christ. Jesus takes it away. Our focus on Jesus, our adoration for Jesus, our love for Jesus, our appreciation for Jesus, how we see Jesus, our communication with Jesus, that's the only way. There is no other way for this veil to be lifted. He says, even to this day, even till right now, this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. 
The, the word never gets in. It never, it never breaks past the skin. It never breaks past the ears. It, it, it never finds its way inside of them. It, it only ends up just being words on a page. But here's the good news. He says this. But whenever, that's important, that means it can happen at any time. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to figure it all out. He says, whenever, here's the other piece of good news, anyone. Guess what? That includes you. <laughs> whenever, anyone. It's an all skate. Maybe you're, maybe you're over 30. You're like, what's he talking about? Like, I used to go to the skating rink when I was young, pick up chicks. Right? It's an all skate. That means everybody skates, and the good ones skate backwards. All skate. Okay? He's saying anyone and whenever, anyone and whenever, that they would turn to the Lord, when they would say, I'm cashed on this part. I've had enough of the dullness. I've had enough of living my life with this veil over my face. I am not going to live that way anymore. Anyone that turns in the direction of Jesus, anyone at any time, the veil's taken away. It's a simple decision. It feels very complex under the weight of life. Again, turn on the news, read the news. Peruse through your Facebook feed. God help us all. Anyone at any time, when they would turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And he finishes off by saying, now the Lord is spirit. In other words, this is about what's inside of you. It's spiritual. The Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, say those three words with me on the count of three. One, two, three. There's freedom. There's freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is. Are you free? Are you free? Because if you're dull and you're veiled, you're not free. Because what's in here, right here, can't get in here. If I'm dull and I'm veiled, I read this and I go, I don't, under, it, it, to my life, right now, where I am, my situation, I don't, I don't understand how this does me any good. But, in, but it is so important that we see this. Watch, he, he goes on. He says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, all of us with unveiled faces, those of us who have said, I am not doing this anymore, not doing it, and we've turned our feet in the direction of Jesus, all of us, the veil has come, off, has come off of our faces. At that point, we contemplate the Lord's glory. We start thinking about the goodness of God. We stop thinking about the messiness of what's going on. We stop thinking about the heaviness of life. We stop thinking about all the things that are wrong with the world and why the world's falling apart. When we turn our feet and face towards Jesus, the veil is lifted. And in that moment, the heaviness falls off. The freedom begins to come. Life 
begins to change. I start seeing things from a different perspective. And what I start seeing is how good God is. God is good. Even when life's crazy, God is good. I contemplate the Lord's glory. And in that moment, watch this. In that moment, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. That means every step that I take in the direction of Jesus is a flourishing step. Something starts to grow in my life. The peace starts to come more and more. The joy starts to come more and more. The patience, all of these things, when I'm trying to piece all of this together, it happens with ever-increasing glory the closer I get to Jesus. But then he says this, but we have to, we have to remember that we're holding these, we have this in jars of clay. In other words, this process is very fragile. You're, you're holding this life in a very fragile jar. And if you don't think about it that way, if you don't approach it that way, that, that jar will often bust open and you'll often catch yourself headed right back in the direction of all of the heaviness, all of the weight, and a life that is not flourishing in Christ. He said, we have these treasures in jars of clay uh, to show why. why. Why does God do that? Why does he let all this happen? To show that all surpassing power is from God. It's not from us. It, it, the power in this is God's power. The power in this is Christ's power. It's not Jason's resilient. It's not Jason's strong. It's not Jason's wise. It's not Jason is, knows how to persevere or is witty. He's saying in that moment, you, you need to understand, once you've turned your feet in the direction of Jesus and you begin to flourish, you need to understand that's a very fragile process. Don't take credit for it because you'll find out really quick. It is not you. It's Jesus in you working. And he goes on to say, just to prove that, he says, the power is from God, not from us. And here's how I know. Because in that turning of the feet, in that heading towards Jesus, the problems didn't stop. I just learned to live above them. I'm going to say that again. In my turning to Jesus, the problems didn't stop. I just learned to live above them. I learned to see things differently. He said, we're hard-pressed on every side. In other words, trouble is still surrounding us, literally on every side. But he said this, but I'm not crushed. I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. He said, I'm perplexed. In other words, I got some questions. Absolutely, I got some questions. But he, but he said, but I'm not in despair. I don't let those questions like wreck me. I'm not going to be in despair about these things. He said, I'm persecuted. What that means is literally people are trying to wreck me. People have made it their mission to wreck my life. And even though I'm persecuted, I'm not abandoned. God is still with me. I've not been left alone in all this. I'm even struck down. Life even knocked the wind out of me. 
I got knocked down on the ground. I didn't expect that diagnosis from the doctor. I didn't expect that thing to happen in life that knocked the wind out of me. I'm knocked down, but you better believe this. I'm not destroyed. I'm still here. This is me in this moment. And it's not because of me. It's because of Jesus. And it says, we always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus. The struggles are always going to be there. The struggles, the weather in life, it's always going to happen. We carry around the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So that I say, when when people see, life is heavy, life is heavy, but they see me turn my feet in the direction of Jesus, and with ever-increasing glory, these things start to fall off, and freedom starts to happen. As that happens, people go, man, what's going on with you? How are you able to live that way? How do you not get caught up in all of the, all the stuff and the noise? I carry around the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus could be revealed in me. That people might see that when, when, when it happens. Remember that bumper sticker years ago? I'm not going to say it, obviously, because for the sake of it just wouldn't be right to say, but also definitely not appropriate for this room. Uh, but hey, Remember that bumper sticker years ago? It said, it happens, but it didn't say it. Remember that bumper sticker? So when the it happens in your life, the question that you have to ask yourself is this. This is what I, the conversation I've been having with a lot of people. How you doing? I'm doing. Are you doing? Really? Okay, I don't, I don't know what... Like. Is that what God wants for us? That I would just be surviving? That I would just be waking up every day going, nobody knows the trouble I see. You didn't know I was going to sing to you today, did you? I am so sorry. You surviving? Is that what God wants for us? No, he wants something better. This is what Paul's trying to tell us. He's saying this is fragile, but you need to understand, God wants something better for you. Don't settle for this. Don't settle for just surviving. God wants you thriving. Don't settle for floundering in life. You should be flourishing in life. Don't just exist. You need to live. You got to get on with living. Don't be underneath of it. Get on top of it. I love this bit of wisdom, this sentence, Proverbs 2, 7 and 8. Proverbs, the book of wisdom in, in, in the Bible here says this, the house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. When I read that, I'm not going to lie. The first thing I think of is, God, why do the wicked get a house? I put my hands on my hips just like this too. Why do the wicked get a house? I mean, they got the air conditioning in there. They got the heat in the winter. They probably got a fireplace. Probably got a nice table, a big refrigerator full of food. You ever been tent camping? Come on, somebody. (laughs) They get a house. I get a tent. What does this mean? I think what the writer of Hebrews is trying to express to us is this, is that even when it looks good on the outside, even when it's polished up and painted and it's got nice shutters on it, 
And we think that those are the things which are going to bring us a flourishing life. What we find out is those things are empty. Because even in my tent, where there is no air conditioning, where the weather, when a storm blows in, you ever camped in a tent when a storm blows through? You're like, oh my word, what have I done? This was a bad decision. Even in a tent, in that moment, you can flourish. God could be doing something with your life that's extraordinary, and you don't have to settle for just the stream of being normal. You don't have to settle for the stream of saying, I guess this is just the way it's going to be, and it'll always be. So the question, I guess, when, when I think about this, I was, as I was preparing this message, I, I just thought to myself, well, what does it look like to flourish? What does it look like? I mean, I would love to. I would love for my, my, my life to be like that. I, I would love to have those things, but what does it look like? And it, it automatically took me back to the spring. Because what happens in the spring, we all kind of, we've seen this in action. We're in the heat of the summer right now. We're in the dog days of summer. So sometimes by the dog days of summer, you've forgotten what happened in the spring. Because in the spring, these, these uh, trees right here. So this tree right here on the left, this is a honey crisp apple tree. Come on, somebody. Best apples in the world. As far as I'm concerned. But that's what a honey crisp apple tree looks like in the winter. It's, they grow really well in Michigan, but them Michigan winters are cold. They freeze those trees. I mean, they're surrounded, sometimes even buried in snow. But what happens is when the spring comes, as the weather and the season change, these little flowers bud on that tree. And those flowers don't look like apples. They just look like flowers. And, it, and that tree starts to look a little bit different. But eventually, over time, on that tree grows these delicious apples. Just take some time. Take some changes in, in, in the direction and, and, and in the weather, in the seasons of life. Eventually, on these trees grows some amazing apples. Some fruit grows on these trees. And I, I believe God wants the exact same thing to happen in your life. But the question is, what is that fruit, what is flourishing or blooming look like? Here it is, Galatians 5. Paul said this. The fruit of spiritual life, the fruit of, of the spirit of God inside of you is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the apples that will grow on the trees of your life if you move your life in the direction of, I don't want this anymore. I'm turning my feet in the direction of this, and I'm going to start flourishing with ever-increasing glory. What does that look like? All those things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We hear that, and probably maybe even you've heard that before. But let me try to break that down for you a little bit and see if, if you can find an on-ramp here today. First off, love. What does that mean? What does love mean? It means I see people like Jesus sees them. Even people I disagree with. Even people that... Are you going to go there, Jason? Even people that choose to get a vaccine or don't choose to get a vaccine. 
Love is just see people like Jesus sees them. I'm going to choose to see people like Jesus sees them. Is that flourishing in my life right now? We'll move on. Joy. What's joy? Finding my fulfillment in the presence of Jesus. Waking up every single day and knowing that there is a whole lot of trouble over here, but you know what? God is with me. Jesus is with me. And in that, amidst all of those things that are going on in my life, I can have joy. I am fulfilled in the fact to know God is walking with me. Every day of my life, I find my fulfillment in that. I can live that way. When life is heavy, I can still have joy. Peace. Resting in the sovereignty of God. This is the one I think right now that's shocking. So many people are looking for this. I read a statistic the other day, and I don't know why it caught my attention. It really hit home when I read it, but it wasn't even about America. It was, it was just about just globally what people are feeling right now. And, and the statistic said this, that in, in Japan in the year 2020, more people committed suicide in Japan than have died globally from anything related to the coronavirus. That's just in Japan. More people took their own life than have died anything related to the coronavirus. That's one country. What about what's going on in America with suicide rates and people feeling like there, are, there is no hope in this world, feeling like, I don't even know, I feel lost, I'm not even sure where to turn. A life that's flourishing is a life that has peace. You need this. I need this. Peace is just resting in the sovereignty of God. When I can wake up every single day and, and, and just know, God's got this. I, it's not my plan, it's God's plan. God knows what he's doing. There's nothing that's happening in the world right now that God went, Hmm, didn't see that coming. That I could wake up every day and just rest in the sovereignty of God. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. Jason, that's irresponsible. No, it's just full of peace. He's got this. He's sovereign over my situation. He's sovereign over our government. He's sovereign over the affairs of the world. Nothing is happening outside of God's sovereignty, even in this moment right now. Nothing. He's not shocked, concerned. All of it fits into his plan. And there's a peace that comes with that, that God wants to give us. He wants to grow that peace on our lives. Patience. What's patience look like? If my kids are in the room, someone please take them out. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, children. Patience. We all need it. Man, I'd love to have more patience. I, I need more patience. I want to be more patient. What is patience? Patience is just this. I keep my eyes on the potential in a situation, not the problems in a situation. Because when my, when my eyes stay continually fixed on the problem, guess what happens to my patience? It diminishes. I don't have patience for it. I'm fed up with it. I'm tired of it. It's ridiculous. No, no, no. If it, I can have patience in my life for conversations that are difficult when people disagree with me. I can actually have patience because I keep my eyes focused on the potential 
of a situation, not on the problems in a situation. Kindness. What's kindness? Giving people better than what they deserve. The Bible says that when our lives are flourishing, we can give people better than what they deserve. To give people what they deserve, that's called equitable. That's equity. That's an equal sign. You did this, I give you this. Jesus is saying, actually, what you can give people is better than that. You can, you've got the power in you. Christ inside of you can give you the power to give better in your marriage than you're getting. Well, they don't deserve that. Well, I didn't deserve Jesus' love either. I, I didn't deserve his love. He, he gave me the better half. You ever break a bagel in half? There is a better half of a bagel, everybody. It's that top half that's glossy. Come on, that bottom half is like the Sahara Desert. Let's be honest. I like that glossy, almost glazed donut kind of bagel. Maybe even some onion seasoning on the top. Mm, who's ready for lunch? Bagel that up. Get, I, 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 this is what flourishing looks like. I can give the better half. I'm empowered to do that through the spirit. Kindness, goodness. What's goodness? Letting gratefulness propel me to action. I'm just grateful. I wake up and I go, God's been good to me. Yeah, but do you see what's going on in the world? Do you see all the problems in your life? I mean, you got some problems. No, I see the problems. I'm still, God's just been good. He's good to me. You wake up and before your, your feet hit the floor, you go, thank you, Lord. I didn't wind this heart up today and tell it to be. I didn't hold the, the fabric of my lungs together and, and, have, and tell them to expand and contract. I didn't wind it up like a watch. It just happened. God gave this to me. This breath I have in my lungs, this heart that beats in my chest, this mind which helps me solve problems and, and live for the glory of God, if I'm grateful for these things, that will propel me to be good to people around me. I'm gonna be good to you because God's been good to me. Faithfulness, showing up when and where I need to show up. I just, I'm faithful. I just stay the course. I'm faithful. I'm here, God. Faithful. I get to church on Sunday. Faithful. I have coffee with the friend. Faithful, I, I encourage somebody with an encouraging word. I, I pray for somebody. Again, faithfulness, showing up when and where I'm supposed to show up. Gentleness, dealing with other people like I want God to deal with me. Ouch. I want that. Being gentle is just going, okay, I know how I want to deal with you right now, but I'm going to not deal with you that way because God has dealt with me differently. I want to be gentle. God, I want God to be gentle with me, so I'm going to be gentle to other people. Last one, self-control. Staying in control by giving control to Jesus. I, I don't, Jesus, take the wheel. He's, you're like, it's his third song. Why is he keep singing to us on Sunday? You get the point. I don't know. It's just happening. It's just in the head. Do you know right now that I saw this statistic the other day that, that over the last year and a half that alcohol consumption in America is up by 40%. 40%. 
What do, you, what do you do when the world falls apart? You turn to things that medicate the pain. The Bible says a flourishing life that actually you can, in your turning to Jesus, your appetite for those things, you, you stay in control because Jesus has the wheel. Those things don't control you. You stay in control of them. Maybe on that list today, you heard something. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. My guess is somewhere in those, in, in those words, maybe one, maybe all of them, you're going, that's exactly what I've been looking for. Come on, show of hands around the room. If you've, heard, if you've heard one thing in there that you would say, I need in my life, raise your hand. Look around. Look around. This is the fight, church. It's the fight to flourish. It's the fight to say, I need these in my life. So I'm going to give you two practical things. We're going to wrap this message up. Here it is. How do I do it then, Jason? I love practical preaching. I want you to be able to leave these seats, get in, the, get in those cars, and this week go do this. Because I promise you this, if we do this, if we do these things, we will begin to flourish. It, again, you might not see apples the minute that you turn yourself to Jesus in your situation. It's a process. You might see blooming flowers. But again, the longer that you stay in the game with ever-increasing glory, remember what Paul said? I'm being transformed into something different. God is growing something different in my life. Here, a couple things. It's, if you want to read a passage of Scripture this week on your own, John 15, Jesus' words. He said this. This is how you flourish. First thing, make prayer a first response, not a last resort. Make prayer in your life a first response, not a last resort. If I'm being honest with you, I'm really good at, pr at praying when the bottom drops out. When it all goes crazy and, and life goes nutso in my hand, I'm really good at praying at that point. Oh, God. Anybody else? Whew. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. I need you. I'm good at that. Because I got nowhere else to turn. But the truth is, is that flourishing is about getting into a regular conversation with God. Waking up and being grateful. Thank you, Lord. As my feet hit the, bed, or hit the ground today, I know you've got a purpose for today. You've got a plan. I don't see it or understand it, but I am walking in it now by faith to know that sometime today you've got good things coming my way. You're leading me to the place that you want me to be today. This is me. I hit the floor in the morning. And that's what I do. I, again, prayer, it, there, there are different postures of prayer. You can have times where that prayer looks like, God, I am interceding on the behalf of somebody. This is my humble position to say, I, I don't have the answers. I don't know how to put this relationship back together. I cannot figure this out. I don't know how to beat this addiction. I'm struggling. I'm fighting. I'm trying to figure it out. It's a posture of prayer. But I can have that same posture of prayer when I'm in my car on the way to work. Lord, help these people who do not know how to drive. I'm just kidding. You get. God, today I'm praying for, for this. I'm praying for that meeting. I'm in the car. I'm driving. I'm praying for that meeting, Lord. You know what your plan is in that meeting. I, I don't want my way. I want your way. God, you know this email I got to send later today. It's a tough one. 
But before I send this email, before my fingers even start to type this email, fill me with your words, your spirit, your direction. I need you. Can't do it on my own. Help me, Lord. Then begin typing. Someone posts on social media, like, Lord, before I respond to this social media post, dear Jesus, help me, guide me. Again, if we would do that, if we would see that, then I promise you this, this is the process of turning our feet. Our feet turned in that moment where I said, I'm not choosing my way anymore. I want to go in the direction of God's best for my life. So I'm not going to pray just when the bottom drops out. I'm going to pray first. First thing, before we have this conversation today, we need to pray. Before I make this decision financially, before I do anything, I need to make prayer first response, not a last resort. These are Jesus' words. This is how he explains it, John 15. Remain in me. In other words, we got to talk. We need to talk. We need to communicate. Remain in me, and I will also remain in you. He said, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Apples don't grow on your life by your good choices. Apples grow on your life by remaining connected to the vine. Conversations with God. This is how apples grow. This is how my life changes for the better, and and it begins to flourish. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I love how the the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. put it. He said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. This conversation with God, maybe we've approached it too properly. we, We try to keep the messiness of our life out of it. And God is saying, bring me your mess. Come on, I want to get in this with you. I want to be there with you. I want you to know I love you right in the middle of where you are, and I'm not going to let you walk alone. But yet what we do is we turn and say, I know, I don't want God involved in that piece. I don't want God involved in that piece. That's too messy. No, 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 I need to have a dialogue, a constant dialogue. Just like I need to breathe, I need to be having a, a conversation at every moment with God. Every hour, every second, every minute of every day. That's not mind-blowing. It's practical. I promise you this week, if you just start there, you're going to start to see things change. But here, I'll give you the next one. I have to stop just reading the Bible, and I have to start actually living on it. I'm going to say that again, because again, you're you're probably thinking, I've heard this message before. Uh, you're, You're telling me to pray and read the Bible more. Yes, but I'm I'm trying to help you go a little deeper than just that. A constant dialogue, a constant communication with Jesus. Absolutely, gotta have it. That's how my life flourishes. But what I have to start doing is seeing what's in this book as the actual fuel for my life. Every word on every page. I need to start looking at it like when I crack this thing open, that what is in here is literally the tackling fuel for life. I can't tackle life without this. See, we read it like a book. That's why it sits on shelves and collects dust. We read it like a book. Well, let me pull that off and let me 
sit by the fire and dig in. What we're reminded in scripture about is this. Jesus goes on to say, if you remain in me and, say say that next phrase right there with me. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. He didn't say if, my, if, a, if you have a Bible in your pocket. He didn't say if you carry a Bible to work today. He said, you got to get these words off this page and in your heart. If you don't get them out of here and plant them in here, you're going to find yourself in a spot where you keep landing right back in the same spot over and over again, trying to bear the weight of life. He said, if, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, if you'll just let these words get inside of you to the point where you say, I live on this. I don't just read it like a book. I need it. I need it like the air I breathe. I need it like the food I eat, like the, like the fluids I drink. I can't live without this word. I've got to have it in my life. It's living, it's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts straight to the bone and marrow of my intentions. I don't just read my Bible. I let my Bible read me. As I read those words, it shows me. It encourages me, it reminds me. It teaches me, it tunes me up. It points me in the right direction. It, I'm strengthened by it. And when the weather starts to happen, it's the roof over my head that keeps the weather off of my house, out of my relationships. I don't want all that weather in here. I want to live on this word today. I want to live on what God has to say. I want to believe what he says and walk in it today and know that when I do, that my life is ever changing for his glory. Amen? That is what I want to do. It's practical. It's not rocket science. Jesus made it easy because he knew life was hard. So we don't need to be trying to figure this out. It doesn't need to be a real complicated solution. Sometimes it's just about getting back to the simple things in life. If I want to flourish, I got to turn my feet towards Jesus. I got to start having a conversation with him, making prayer a first response, not a last resort. And I got to stop reading this thing like a book. And I've got to start living on what I read out of here. That even if I don't understand it and I read it, I say, God, I know there's something there. Help me to see. What are you trying to teach me? Show me. Direct me in. What is it today you're trying to empower me to see? Because what does that next sentence say? I'll leave you with this. I promise I won't keep you here. I know I talked about bagels, so you're hungry. He said this, if my words remain in you, if you'll get this off these pages and get it into here, he says, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Jesus, I need peace. Get these words off that page and into your heart. And he'll answer that prayer. You'll have your peace. Jesus, I need joy again in my life. Get these words off these pages and get them hidden in your heart. And the joy will begin to spring up inside of you. 
the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control. I don't need that bottle. That bottle has made promises to me for years that it cannot fulfill. I'm living on something different. My life is marked by something different. And and when I ask God for those things, hiding his word in my heart, he does what he says he's going to do. Ask whatever you wish, it'll be done for you. It's to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit. It's It's to God's glory. It's to your benefit, but to God's glory. You benefit from it, but in the middle of it, your life is heading in an ever-increasing direction, and all the while, God is getting glory for what's happening in you, for how you're changing, for the fact that you can have peace in a world that's struggling to find peace. It's to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples, and he finishes off with this thought. I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. He's always working to make us better so that it will become even more fruitful. And this is where you think, I I don't deserve this. You don't know me. I mean, I make mistakes. I don't always get it right. I do have an addiction. I do have Sometimes my mouth gets the best to me. I do have things in, in, in this life that, that I struggle with. And Jesus, that's why Jesus says these words. He says, you're already clean. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. He says, stop beating yourself up. Stop buying into the guilt that the enemy is trying to hold you down with. Jesus knows we've got our struggles He knows we're going through difficult situations. But when I get this word inside of me, it's by this word. It's by his blood. It's by his sacrifice. I've been made clean. Because of the words that I have spoken to you, he said this. I've told you these things. Everything I just told you. He said, I told you this so that my joy would be in you and so that your joy would be complete. All of these things so that we can live a life that flourishes. Come on, do you want that today? I know I do. Will you bow your heads with me today as we wrap up? God, I'm so thankful for your word. Wow, it is challenging to us. Encouraging, challenging in so many ways. I I just, right now I pray across this room for the brokenhearted. I pray for the lonely today. I pray for those seeking peace and who have not been able to find it, and they're wondering where you are in the middle of this situation they find their life in right now. God, today we believe your word and we trust that it's true, that we can flourish, that our lives can move in the direction of an ever-increasing glory as we bring our, our glory, our praise back to you. 
You have comfort to those that need comfort, healing to those that need healing. God, I pray for relationships today. God, I pray for, uh, for, for marriages. I pray for parents. I pray for kids. I pray for just across the board, everyone who's experiencing this fight in their life today. Jesus, we know it is only you that can help us flourish. And so in this moment, we turn our feet and our heart to you. Help us this week to make prayer a first response, not a last resort. Help us this week to get this word off of these pages and into our hearts. And that if we ask that you would give us everything we need, all to your glory today. With your heads bowed and just eyes closed real quick as a courtesy to people around you right now, maybe you're here today and you've heard this and you're thinking, I need Jesus in my life. Maybe you need to renew your relationship with Jesus today. Maybe you need to recommit your life to him. Maybe today for the first time, you just need to make the decision today. You're done with living life the way that you've been living it. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to open your heart today to a God that loves you more than you could ever ask, imagine, or dream. If that's you, I want you to know it's a simple decision. It's a conversation, a heartfelt conversation in this moment for you to turn your feet to Jesus. I'll lead you in it right where you're at. Conversations should go something like this. Jesus, I need you. I do not want to do this on my own anymore. I don't want to settle for normal because what you offer is extraordinary. I'm broken and lost without you. Today, I open my heart to you. I believe what you did on the cross, that was for me. You died for my sin. I didn't earn it or deserve it, but you did it anyway because you love me and you want good things for my life. Today, I open my heart to that. Come into my heart. Be leader and Lord of my life from this day forward. I won't do everything right, but I will do everything I can to trust my heart to you, to follow after you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.